0: this week on Art on the Air, our entire show features singer, songwriter, composer, producer, and Grammy-nominated artist for Best Spoken Word Album, Eric Alexandrakis, who has worked with a virtual who's who of musical artists. Our spotlight is on the Northwest Indiana Symphony music director, Maestro Kirk Muspratt, discussing the first concert featuring West Side Story.
1: Express yourself through art, and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art, and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary, art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther, art on the air our way. Express yourself to art and show the world your heart. Express yourself to art and show the world
0: Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and WVLP 103.1 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City.
2: Aloha, everyone.
0: We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art of the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP, 103.1 FM, streaming at wvlp.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available on our website, breck.com AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our shows are available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for more information about upcoming shows and interviews. Like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight, maestro Kirk Musprack, who's no uh, stranger to our program. He's the conductor and music director for the Northwest Indiana Symphony Orchestra. And he's going to tell us about what's coming up in the 2022-23 20, season, something very exciting for most of our uh, listeners. Kirk, welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight.
2: Hello, Hi, welcome. Oh, oh, hello, hello.
0: So, Kirk, let's uh, talk about what you got coming up this season. I think something that most everyone first you have, but what do you have coming up for your season starter?
3: We're going to start with West Side Story, Larry. Um, it's the 65th anniversary of the show. We, I happen to be lucky enough that about three years ago, I found this new version of the show, which is okayed by the Bernstein Foundation, and it was made for Michael Tilson Thomas at the San Francisco Symphony. So it is the original orchestration, which is brutally wild and brutally hard, it's not some watered down something or other and it's a great showpiece too. But it's a beautiful um, compilation of almost all of West Side Story. They left out some of the choreography, of course, and some of the huge, huge chorus numbers where you need tons of people on stage. But otherwise, um, it's a fantastic rendition of this piece. I did it up at New Philharmonic last year. And the patrons went bananas over it. And many people, including some of our very serious donors and subscribers, said it was the best thing that we'd ever done. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, that opens the season.
0: And uh, that opens uh, Thursday, October 13th and 14th. And that's at kind of your now permanent venue, uh, Living Hope Church. And then you have another one. Valpo High School. Valpo High School on the 15th, yes. So. When picking out something like that to start your season, you know, with an orchestra, picking a, and you said this is challenging because Bernstein's score, even as is, is a symphonic score, but choosing that as opposed to maybe a classical piece to start your season, you know, what do you weigh in terms of that as a music director?
3: I weigh that uh, the pandemic has changed all sorts of things in our world. Uh, Some people don't go out to concerts anymore. Uh, Other people, well, I would mostly say, it's because the, the, I knew the movie was coming out from Spielberg. So I knew we had a whole bunch of big press kit ready and waiting to go there because people would go and see it and people would be talking about Bernstein and those kinds of things. So that's one of the big reasons. The other reason that I did it is because it is such a valuable and enormous, oh, it's just a, it's a heaven of an orchestral score. I mean, it's really, really hard for the orchestra, and uh, very challenging. And the when I did it last year, the orchestra loved playing it. They just bit into it like a yummy cupcake. <laughs> so
1: yeah.
3: they really bit into it and loved it. And, um, you know, if we do it two years from now, will it have the same kind of impact? Will the world still be the same? I don't know. It's a lot of subjective decision-making, certainly. But I know it will work. And I know we'll sell the joint out.
2: And it introduces a whole new age group to the music. I mean, it was so memorable when it first came out. It made such a huge impression on me, you know, that it's so wonderful that it's getting renewed again.
3: Yeah, and it is the the hit musical, the changed musicals. It's not Rodgers and Hammerstein. It's not Lerner and Lowe. It's, you know, it's cool. It's the rumble. It's Tonight, you know, it. It's relevant in the text, in the story, because why does a shark hate a jet? Why does a jet hate a shark? Because they live over on the next block or because they have a slightly different accent. And so it's I think it's very relevant now with all that's going on in the world, like in places like Ukraine and Russia. And, and in my gut, it's also our Romeo and Juliet.
0: It is. And and it was transformative in another way with Jerome Robbins. That really cemented for a long time the director choreographer as one person. There were evidences of that earlier, but that really cemented that. And the whole whole piece is transformative in what it did with musical theater. It really kind of signaled the end of the kind of the what I call classic Rodgers and Hammerstein plain narrative form.
3: Right. Exactly. And Jerome Robbins, as you know, was the person who initiated the whole project of West Side Story and gave it to, hey, Leonard Bernstein, you young guy, you who's taken over <laughs> the new philharmonic. I mean, your philharmonic. Um, philharmonic. So, yeah, Jerome Rubin started it and then, you know, handed it to Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein was good. And then Leonard Bernstein, no, I know, we know this young guy, Stephen Sondheim. Hmm. So I think he'd be great at doing the lyrics. And he was a young guy. I think he was 22, 23, 24, something like that. And so then... Now we have Sondheim in the mix. And because, you know, Stephen Sondheim just passed away, I thought it it is even more of a raison d'etre for doing this piece.
0: Very poignant. He almost turned it down, but uh, he was mentored by Oscar Hammerstein, who encouraged him to do that. Real quick, you do have some vocalists coming up. Just tell us briefly about that.
3: Yeah, sure. Well, Caitlin Lee I've worked with several times. She's a gorgeous soprano. She just did some solo work at Grand Park. And Matt, who is our Tony... Is a big Uh, (laughs) heartthrob, lovely, lovely, you know, you know, he plays, you know, the the Romeo role. So um, and we know they're going to be wonderful and very believable and everybody's going to cry at the end. So that's good.
0: So uh, we'll review the dates one more time, but tell us a little bit, just a preview of some of the other things you have coming up uh, for the rest of the season while we wrap up in the last minute here.
3: Yeah, sure, Larry. So we have our our famous holiday pops that people are asking me about all summer. We have that in December. We have a Hispanic concert in April with Hispanic music from, uh, you know, Mexico, from South America, from Spain, from Central America. Fantastic genre of music. And a mariachi band is joining us for the second half. And then on the last concert of the year, we're going to do a huge movie concert. And about uh, three quarters of the music is new music that we've never done before. It's become available and we've found the resources to rent it.
0: Well, we appreciate you coming on Art of the Year Spotlight. That's Maestro Kirk Mustrat, conductor and music director of the Northwest Indiana Symphony. First up this season will be West Side Story in concert. Three performances: Thursday and Friday, October 13 and 14, at Living Hope Church. Saturday, October fifteenth at Valparaiso High School. Kirk, thank you so much for sharing on Art of the Year Spotlight.
2: Thank you. Have a great time. Thank
0: you.
4: Thank you both.
0: You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. This is Pledge Week for your public radio station. And Art on the Air encourages our loyal listeners to support this station by making a monthly sustaining pledge so we may continue to bring you this great program. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art in the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck,
2: We are pleased to welcome Eric Alexandrakis to Art on the Air. Eric is a musician, songwriter, producer, remixer, photographer, and an actor. Always immersed and encouraged in the arts to follow his creative initiative. Drama, music, and art classes were pursued. In 1997, he released his debut album, Nine Demo, on a four-track, a home recording that captured songs as they happened. Most, if not all, of his subsequent albums or singles are first-take recordings and are written, arranged, and produced, engineered, and conceived by him. It's really phenomenal. Eric, I'm keeping the intro sparse so that we can hear how you want to tell the development story of your life. We look forward to talking about the roots of creativity and the shaping of how you approach your audience and visual sight. So, Larry and I, thank you for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, like we always like to start off is kind of kick off your, you know, personal biography, but like your journey uh, all the way back to where you grew up, where you were born, schools along the way, elementary, And so, I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now. So, Eric, tell us about yourself.
5: I was born in Coral Gables, Florida. It's a suburb in Miami, and grew up mostly in Miami, uh, but also lived in Greece and uh, Princeton, New Jersey, and studied a little bit in London, and it's kind of a long, very detailed journey, because I was exposed to a lot of things very early on. My father's a physicist, my mother's uh He's a PhD in physics, my mother a PhD in philosophy. So I had to give up my, my bed to Nobel Prize winners in physics sometimes when they'd come and stay at the house. Um, one of my godparents was Einstein's neighbor and colleague at Princeton. He was my father's mentor at Princeton. So I would hear a lot of interesting stories and... Uh, my grandfather was an innovator uh, inventor did a lot of really innovative things and so there were a lot of high standards so I always felt like I wanted to do great things um not from pressure but just from being inspired by all these people and you know going around the world from an early age and going to all the major art museums and um developing an interest very early on and naturally in, in music, which was more of like an instinct than anything. Uh, I would just pick up instruments and play them. And, uh, and also theater. I had a lot of theater training growing up from a very young age and was in plays and things like that. So the arts were always part of my DNA. I suppose.
2: So were there a lot of musical instruments available at home? No, there, I would
5: just basically hit up pots and pans. And I got a (laughs) piano, uh, I think around age 11, but I, I, you know, I was classically trained from age six to about 16. Uh, But then, you know, when, when the early eighties, the synthesizers came in with all the new wave stuff, I fell in love with that stuff and I just wanted to, play arpeggiated synths but in those days those synths were like insanely expensive you know the Roland's and and all that so i i dove hardcore into new wave music at a very young age so uh i loved all that melodic stuff from the early early 80s uh just it had an energy and a color to it just absolutely loved it I I think my heart is really in there, even though I've been studying the seventies for the last several years to really dive into it. And that was, for to me that was the most creative decade. Um, just everything from prog rock to electronic craft work and yes and Genesis and Zeppelin. Like you know, so many disco, the pistols and blondie in the cars. And so um yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I I uh I never thought of it as a profession. I mean, I always dreamed about being the singer in a band and just you know doing that sort of thing, and I was in a band uh, in high school for a few years into college, but it just it just it was such a natural thing that it just never I never thought of it as like a profession. So then I went to grad school and majored in a music business, and that was a huge tool because I have this company also that does um, production, of course, but also rights clearance and. For major brands like Kate Spade and Squarespace and various companies and things, so um, yeah, but it, it's been a very very odd journey. I mean, then I had cancer twice, and that was interesting. It was probably one of the best experiences I've had. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, at what? At what? How many years ago was that?
5: That was about this, well, the relapse was twenty two years ago, and then. The original round was about a year before that.
2: So what were you doing at the time? What were you working on?
5: At the time, I was trying to find work. So Mm -hmm. I'd finished school. And I was doing some acting stuff. I was in the Miami Vice movie. I was in Dexter. I was in some other thing. And then uh, that hit me. And my, uh, the insurance had just run out. Mm -hmm. It was on my parents' thing. So I had no insurance and I was looking for work. So, through some um, pretty uh, miraculous uh, situations, I had my whole treatment covered and I was able to get a part time job. I was just a workaholic, you know, I I was in the studios for hours with other people trying to build uh, some sort of career. And uh, I I have, in, I'm very interested in a lot of different things, but I'm also very, very like when I, when I get onto some task, I, I get almost obsessive, obsessed with it. I, I want to do it, finish it and do it better than good. And that tends to take a lot of energy out of you because you kind of forget that you need to Drink water and eat, <laughs> eat drink yeah, water. Eat. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was on chemo the first time I was producing this band in Miami and I would be uh, doing a, a, a take on guitar and I would have to put the guitar down, go to the bathroom and throw up and then come back and finish the take. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was, it was, it was, you know, that's, that's, that kind of defines how, how I am. You know, the, the, the show or the job must go on.
0: Now, you spent time in Crete, and of course, that, that's going to set us up for your first song, uh, Mediterranean Sun. But tell us a little about some of the summers you spent in Crete and how that inspired that song.
5: So, yeah, I mean, I've been going there since I was a little kid and um, just kind of disappearing to Greece. I mean, I, I you know the first time I flew alone to Greece, I think I was 13. And I, I would just disappear for months on end and go on little island hopping with friends and cousins and things like that, which I, I think at this point I would never let my kid do. <laughs> I think the times are, times are a little different. So it's amazing that a kid that age could do that. Um, and, you know you, you know, you just kind of like one day I was just kind of walking on the beach and I was just taking all those summers in and thinking about all the nice things you would see on that beach, you know, from a young age and the song just kind of popped in. And John Taylor from Duran Duran's playing bass, and Steve Ferroni from the Heartbreakers is on drums, and we did it all in first takes and 16-track, and there you
0: go. It's fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to that uh, Mediterranean Sun. It's a very energetic, high-energy tune there, inspired by some. of the creek. Was from Eric Alexandrakis from Mediterranean Sun. So that was recorded with John Taylor from Duran Duran, uh, Steve Rome from that, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. What a uh, energetic tune that
5: is!
2: <laughs> very surfer vibe. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. John is the one who discovered me. So it was really nice. To, I, I love listening to that. Just full circle because that band was was a huge influence probably my biggest influence since i was a little kid that was the first synthesizer i heard from hungry like the wolf that arpeggiated you know so and so that
2: that connection happened because of your your first (laughs) your debut album right or yeah I, i
5: i just finished chemo about a month before i wasn't supposed to go anywhere and i just happened to see in a newspaper ad jonathan taylor live i'm like jonathan taylor who's jonathan taylor I'm like, is that John Taylor? So I called the venue and they said it was John. And the day he was playing, a tropical storm was hitting, but nothing was gonna stop me again.
1: <laughs> so I wasn't
5: supposed to, you know, be outdoors or anywhere near people because my immune system was pretty low. So I was the first one there and I was under a leaky canopy for about two and a half, three hours as it was raining like crazy. And I had a cassette of my of my first two albums. And there was a hotel next door to the venue, and I said, well, let me go stand uh, in the lobby. Maybe he'll come out. And there he comes out with uh, yellow socks looking for an ironing board, and I gave him my tape, and that was it.
2: So beautiful. So I, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and we have another song while, while we're uh, talking. And I, tell us about that. Here Comes the Snow. And I love the uh, story behind this, how it was inspired by a dream. So tell us a little bit about that, Eric.
5: Yeah, I, I love – I got into Americana a bit late like the Mavericks was was an eye opening band for me. They're from Miami, and I just always thought uh, Americana was about horses and and you know beer drinking or whatever. <laughs> so, but like their songs were just so melodic and had such a cool vibe, and I really got into it. Um. And so I, I had this dream That I went ice skating with Charlize Theron And I woke up the next morning and that's what the song is about And it's got a Cretan lyre on there That boat instrument, it's not a fiddle It's a, it's a lyre, and the song's done really good It's it done really well It gets played across the U.S. and retailers Christmas time and European radio And seems to strike a nerve
0: Well let's take a listen Here comes the snow
5: Here comes
6: the snow Here comes the snow Take my hand Come on and let's go I'll build you an igloo We'll live there just me and you And eat ice pies and frozen soup Here comes the snow Here comes the snow I'll get my skates Come on and we'll go I'll twirl you on the ice And you'll kiss me so
0: It's uh, beautiful. It's, uh, uh, I love the uh, instrumentation on that. It's just uh, almost true ballad Americana.
5: Yeah. It's very strange for me. Everything was first takes except for that, that, that fiddle sounding thing, which I played like 50 times because I kept hearing different parts in my head.
2: So, so do, yeah. do, does inspiration come to you in dreams quite a bit or what is your – Sometimes it can come from anywhere. Like I was listening to this,
5: this uh, the first – what was that band from the '80s? Uh, I can't remember what it, what the name of the band was, but I was listening to their first album, and this this lyric, war, you know, this pairing of the words "unfinished business" came in some of the lyrics, and that 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 phrase or that pairing sparked a new song called "unfinished business." So it can come from like a scene in a movie, or something somebody says, or a melody I hear. I'm like, I like that melody. What if I change it to this? You know, it can come from literally anywhere. It can come from your cool glasses. I mean, it can come from (laughs) literally any place.
2: And so mine is like your background is my inspiration. It's like anything water themed, you know, the sound of water, the smell of water, the movement in the air that sort of like
1: Mm
5: -hmm.
2: sparks my, my creativity, I guess. Yeah,
5: because I have a lot of interests and I'm interested in pretty much all forms of creativity. There's just no limit. It could be a beat. It could be anything.
0: Sure. And uh, now you're located where now? You're, you're I think, out in the mountains somewhere? Or?
5: At the moment, I'm in Colorado.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, beautiful area. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
5: It's nice and peaceful and quiet.
0: And away from uh, not Not like in a uh, city type setting or?
5: Um, no, it's a small town. You, you kind of get the, the balance of small town and big city because you're far enough from the big city, but not too far. Um, I'm 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 over the years I'm in LA often, uh, but I kind of like disappearing and being separate from right. the whole world. I would get a lot more done if I was living in LA, but uh, you know, having offspring and <laughs> just liking peace and quiet and having two near-death experiences, you, you kind of
2: want to. That's true. Just... Yeah. Yeah. So back to that. Then you had made a statement that <laughs> the. The wonderful or the experience is more than what the surface of the experience sounds. So what were the because I can answer this for myself, too, because I had an amazing, you know, event that happened that totally changed my life that everybody will go, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. But then I will say, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful for the experience because I've learned so much from it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't have wished it, but it happened. And, you know, so what were some of those changes for you? I've always been very empathetic. Um, so
5: one thing that made me realize is that in a way it's worse for your family and friends than it is for you. You know, you kind of know what you're feeling and they don't know and they, they, they feel helpless. Like they feel like they want to understand more and do something. So uh, it kind of made me more aware of of not being the center of the universe, which I, I've I've never really had that thought. But just to be a little more understanding and of other people's feelings and needs and things like that. But I don't know that it changed me. I think it just kind of enhanced something. I don't know, maybe just to be a little more, eat a little more healthy and exercise more. No, we um, all need to do that. I yeah. agree
2: with the empathy part 100%. <laughs> yeah, because
5: I counsel a lot of people with with cancer, young artists, older artists, and it takes a lot of time, but I don't know, I feel like it's kind of my my duty in a way to help other people within reason because a lot of people like to take advantage, you know, but, you know, something, you know, that I'm able to do rather than just bring everybody and, you know, into the house and give them, you know, free recording sessions or whatever it is. (laughs) So,
0: you're listening to Art on the Air with our guest Eric Alexandrakis on Lakeshore Public Radio, eighty-nine point one FM and WVLP one hundred three point one FM. Do you have a studio um, in your house? Yeah. Okay. We talked a little bit about that before. You know, uh, is it a sixteen track or? Well, I guess in this day and age, it not really. matters anymore. So,
5: well, I have a sixteen track, which I, I you know, I'm a bit of a masochist. I guess I, I tend to make things harder than they're supposed to be. But <laughs> like with a sixteen track, you know, it helps me keep my chops up. Right And the spontaneity, and I, I just like, unless something's really off, I'll replay it or re-sing it or whatever, but I generally do one or two takes. But I also have, you know, full-on Logic right. set up, infinite tracks, and pretty much whatever you need.
0: And we talked about, like, my, my little four-track days back in the 70s. Mostly, yeah. mostly Mostly doing demo work, though. Like I said, some of the stuff... Uh, Actually, got released, and that's how I got into the Grammy. So, maybe tell us a little about your Grammy journey before we move on to the, your next song.
5: Well, I love the four tracks. I was actually looking on eBay to find the one that I used for the Grammy nominated record because, you know, when you have too many options, you get a little lazy. Right. And but when you have something that you have to make the most out of nothing, you know, ideas, you, you dig deeper for ideas. And I really like that. And I, I might actually. Do something on a four track again soon because i like the process uh yeah with the grammys it was just I, I decided to write this story about how cancer uh my 20 years as a cancer survivor um and it had all the music i did from the john taylor uh days the early days there uh, which the first album was done when I had the tumor in my chest. It was the size of a fist, and I didn't even know wow. what the pain was. And then the second one, Ivy Catatonia, was done during the eight months of the treatment and uh, just talked about that time and included the music, about two hours of music. In fact, there's a there's a sequel to that, uh, how, how all of that affected me after, uh, which is another spoken word thing I put out last year. Um, And then it uh, got nominated and Michelle Obama beat me and (laughs) loved loved woman in America, which, you know, was not unexpected.
2: Yeah. My brain really, really enjoys following all the layers of a little bit of history. So could you give us just a background on on the creation of that?
5: Yeah, that was all 16 track. It's about it it was I kind of came up with it when my mom had colon cancer. It's about nostalgia and Uh, afraid of losing things certain people things uh that are super important and it was yeah it was a weird one it's just there's a lot of technical stuff in there like playing through a chaos pad with an acoustic guitar and there's like a drill on there that's backwards there's a uh a saw that's slowed down and backwards and Just a lot of noisy bits, and you know, it goes from darkness to light.
2: And it's very exciting, it's kind of
5: hard to describe, but it's one of my favorites, actually.
0: It is a very, very electronic sounding. Well, let's take a listen to that a little bit of history.
6: And so the day begins with a hidden cloud Oh, shadow is close behind, keeping its face concealed from me And so the day is on the verge to yell and shout What legal matters I find, melt in my head to replace me nostalgic <laughs> pride Inside. I try to bleed. I try to believe, I'll always need a little bit of history. Daydream the day. I'll die for you. I'll always need a little bit of history. Sometimes I wonder if... I need a brain biopsy to learn how to close the window through which I can see so I don't miss these things, Spectres move onto this place And it's like a trunk,
1: you can't even to see
6: I try to breathe, I try to I'll always need a little bit of history, day dream of day, I'll die for thee. I'll always need a little bit of history.
0: A little bit of history that was done on a 16 track with our guest today, Eric Alexandrakis. Moving on, you're now doing also, you touched on this earlier in your interview, but uh, promotional work and uh, rights clearance and things. So tell us a little bit about that process.
5: So that that's a direct product of my, my graduate school degree, which is in music business where I learned contracts, had law classes and MBA classes and things like that. So I, I stumbled across that by accident. My, like the first tracks I had licensed were from Viacom. I don't know how how the music supervisor got it, and it was all the four track stuff. Never mastered, you know, all four track <laughs> avant garde tracks, and they they licensed like two hundred versions of all that stuff. And to to this day, it still hasn't been mastered. and That's the stuff that got the nomination. Wow. So that's that started on my my whole licensing thing, and then I hooked up with EMI, and then Sony, and then Universal, and. It just became this um, thing that just fell in my lap um, and but then I realized you know I'm, I'm spending more time doing paperwork than I am uh, doing creative stuff, so I scaled it down a bit, but I still uh, do a lot for like major brands where they contact me and I either need something made or something cleared, and I'll take care of it for them. so it's pretty cool. You can do it in my sleep. thank <laughs> God for my. My, my master's degree.
0: And you can also do that in Colorado. You don't have to really go anywhere for that uh, for the most
2: yeah, part. Anywhere.
5: Yeah,
0: anywhere. Yeah.
2: So were you in, in Colorado during the pandemic, the the big the big first portion of it? Yeah.
5: Yeah, I was here.
0: How did that affect your process? You know, we've asked a lot of our guests, you know, uh, they, they got either particularly creative or some some of them kind of withdrew from the world. So that, how did that affect you?
5: Uh, it didn't really affect me. I mean, you know, being in the music business, music business is probably the only only business in the history of commerce that's designed to destroy itself (laughs) so you have to constantly look for different ways to do things but if you don't have the background you're kind of screwed you know so you uh for me it was pretty easy I always have something to do some work uh but it didn't really affect it was interesting to see the live stuff go because I've always been saying that streaming is not sustainable no. You know, everybody's complaining, I'm not getting paid, I'm not getting paid. It's like, well, you're worth five cents. So the problem is not getting paid. The problem is that it's all valued very low and very strangely. You know, I mean, when you go to license something for like a major ad or a film, the, the fees are pretty much the same. But, and it's also the other side of where a lot of independent artists don't understand that their song is not worth as much as, Start me up by the stones. Okay. Right. Right. So um, it's a very messed up business. It, it has to change. I think at some point it will change. It's inevitable. It's, streaming is just non sustainable. Um, but uh, the live thing was interesting seeing all these people, and then, you know, Sting and Bob Dylan, et cetera, were like selling their catalogs. And some were saying it was because they couldn't sustain their lifestyles, which I find hard to believe. I don't think that's true. <laughs> But uh you know, because if there were if streaming didn't exist, then at least there'd be something coming in from record sales, maybe to kind of offset right. the lull, the one year or two year lull uh, I don't know,
0: yeah it's, it's tough to say you know that downloads haven't kind of <sighs> Yeah, they they really haven't panned out the same way and so well we connected on the FYC group and you sent something out and uh, I I was the recipient of that about Silver Moon and that's yeah. a special tribute that you uh, have and uh, so tell us about that.
5: Yeah, I haven't promoted it once. I feel kind of strange trying to get reviews and things like that cuz it's you know, it's about someone who passed away, but yeah, Mike Nesmith is 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 a big influence. The Monkees catalog is a huge influence. And he passed away um, December 10th, I think it was, of last year. And, you know, it just hit me really hard. And I always wanted to do a cover of the song. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I, I recorded it and released it on his birthday 20 days later as like a, my own kind of tribute and send off. And it just kind of struck a nerve. And now I've, I've submitted it over to Neris and see what happens.
0: Okay, and that's coming up in the current uh, Grammy voters out there. That's in the entry phase right now. Let's take a listen to Silver Moon, tribute to Michael Nesmith. See the
6: lazy windmill slowly turning Cutting up the marble canyons of Around my feet go churning Moving with the winds down the highway a destination of my own Half the thoughts I'm thinking speak in the size As that same old way
0: Silver Moon. And that was Eric Alexandrakis. You're listening to Art on the Air with our guest Eric Alexandrakis on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and WVLP 103.1 FM. Yeah, sometimes the monkeys were not considered a real group, you know, because they were kind of put together. But it's amazing how their music actually has a lot of endurance.
5: Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, I, I have live... Uh... it's like a quadruple cd of them playing live and it's wild to like hear mickey Dolan's playing drums as well as he did just having learned started learning like that first year but like the songs are just pop songwriting 101 they're just so well done and mike's songs are so great and um peter was like classically trained sure um, and of course all the other songwriters there, but it's just such, it's like a, it's, it's a great catalog. There's just so such a variety with, you know, a lot of Americana stuff and just straight ahead rock stuff and jangly it probably stuff.
2: probably gets lost because the show was so campy sort right. of and um, wild and fun that. I yeah. I mean, they should reality. be
5: in the rock and roll. They should be in the rock and roll hall of fame. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no question of it. I mean, the the impact they had and just the catalog that's endured and.
2: I think all of us st- still have their songs memorized, you know, it's kind of like the Beatles. <laughs> you just the, yeah. the the lyrics stay with you. Yeah. So did you record that one all in one take And as yeah. well?
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's pretty amazing, I have to say, Eric. I mean, that, knowing how that is, is, very few people, I guess, Frank Sinatra is known for doing things pretty much in one take. But that, that's, a, that's really a great, uh, you know, tribute to yourself as being able to do that in one take.
5: Yeah, thanks. I sang through a few guitar pedals and even the tambourine is real, you know, it's not like <laughs> looped or triggered off of a keyboard. It's, you know, uh, it's all played. I mean, the, the beat is from an old Roland beatbox from the 70s. But yeah, I, I like that. You know, it's um, I think it's important. A lot of music today has zero personality. I remember growing up and I knew who the bass player was and I knew who that drummer was. I'm like, oh, that has got to be that drummer. Now it's just software running a music player. Right. You know, all too much of it.
0: Yeah, and you and I talked about, uh, prior to the interview, I was listening to, uh, oh, I think it was Herb Alpert, uh, Tawana Brass, and how the mixing is so different. You know, you have full left channel, full right channel, and and you really, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, vinyl, but I said, I think it has a lot more to do with the mixing. Uh, You felt Mm -hmm. like the trumpet was right there, and it's not going through all this processing. It was microphone to tape to the pressing, so...
5: Yeah, did you hear the new uh, Taxman remix from Revolver? No, I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying to hear stuff like Tomorrow Never Knows and things like that because they've remixed it. It's coming out in a few months. That should be interesting.
0: Well, we want to uh, get your other song in before we wrap it up here. We only have a few minutes left. Disorder of the Universe. Uh, tell us a little bit about oh. that.
5: Yeah, that's... Uh, so excellent. <laughs> thank you. That's John Malkovich and... Myself and we have this uh, Rolling Stone calls us this avant garde trio. So it's Sandro Miller, Chicago based photographer, who's one of the top commercial photographers in the world, and John Malkovich and myself. And that was that's a, uh, a remix of a track that was on our vinyl Hell on Earth, which was vinyl only released. We'll probably put it on streaming next year or something and we kind of have a theme going it's it's um you know it started with plato's allegory of the cage which is pretty much about perception you know what you think you see and so we have all these album covers of john as different characters and it's it's meant to play to people's perception Well, what do you think this means what do you think he's representing what do you think it is and then on on hell on earth he's reciting aristotle so you know we're we're all governed by perception with the media and with everything surrounding us. So that's been a running thread really through all those releases.
0: Well, we're gonna play that as our playout. So we have just about a minute left. How can people find you on uh, internet, uh, everything else, and contact you if they're interested in doing that, Eric?
5: Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Just put my name in there, Eric Alexandrikos, and website comes up, and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and my shoe size and
2: (laughs) I, you know, I've completely enjoyed exploring your work. It's just been like such a pleasure. Yeah. Like a wonderful kind of, Painful Pleasure.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Wonderful, painful. That might be a song title someday. (laughs)
0: Painful Pleasure. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. We're going to play out with the disorder of the universe, Eric Alexandrakis. Appreciate you coming on Art in the Air and uh, sharing your music, your story, and everything with us.
5: Thanks for having me. Thank you.
4: It's the mark of an educated man to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Democracy arose from men's thinking that if they are equal in any respect, they are absolutely equal. The weak are always anxious for justice and equality. The strong pay no heed to either. The best friend is the man who is wishing me well, wishes it for my sake. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. They who love in excess also hate in excess. Distance does not break off the friendship absolutely, but only the activity of it. Nature pours a vacuum. Evil brings men together. We should behave to our friends as we would wish our friends behaved to us. At his best, man is the noblest of animals. Separated from law and justice, he is the worst. Where your talents and needs of the world cross, there lies your calling. What it lies in our power to do, it lies in our power not to do. Probable impossibilities are to be preferred to improbable possibilities. It is likely that unlikely things should happen. Wealth is evidently not the good we are seeking, for it is merely useful and for the sake of something else. Even when laws have been written down, they ought not always to remain unaltered. Nothing is what rocks dream about. Nothing. There is only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing. Say nothing, and be nothing. Choice, not chance, determines your your destiny. For the essence of a riddle is to express true facts under impossible combinations. If you would understand anything, observe its beginning and its development. Comedy has had no history because it was not at first treated seriously.
0: And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art in the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, dot com. This is Pledge Week for your public radio station. And Art on the Air encourages our loyal listeners to support this station by making a monthly sustaining pledge so we may continue to bring you this great program. Next week on Art of the Air, we feature the husband-wife acoustic duo, known as Steve and Mary E., Steve and Mary Elizabeth Champagne, sharing some of their original music. Next, we have the award-winning local watercolor artist Pat Herman discussing her current exhibits inspired by sycamore trees at the Ellen Firm Gallery and the Depot in Beverly Shores. Our spotlight is on the LaPorte County Symphony's 34th Annual Drayton Children's Concert in October and November's Americana Concert with Executive Director Tim King. We'd like to thank our guests this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio, and Greg Kovach, WVLP's Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. We would like to thank our current supporters and underwriters, which include regional art patron Mary LeVan and Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art on the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air If you're interested in being a guest Or sending us information about your arts Arts-related event or exhibit Please email us at aota at breck.com That's aota at B-R-E-C-H Or contact us through our Facebook page Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden And we invite you back next week For another episode of Art on the Air
2: Aloha everyone Have a splendid week
1: Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know. Show the world your heart Express yourself apart, heart And show the world